from News Talk 580-1059 KMJ, this is the Matty Report, Valley Views Edition. Now here's your host, Mark Kepler. Do increasing academic standards lead to improved academic performance? In other words, is raising the bar one strategy we can employ to improve K-12 education? Seems like a simple enough question. What does the research show? We'll ask a senior fellow at the Nonpartisan Public Policy Institute of California who specializes in K-12 education with an emphasis in math and science education. We'll then talk to school superintendents from throughout the valley, from Modesto to Bakersfield, to see what they think. That conversation in a moment. Funding for the Maddie Report is made possible by grants from the California Emerging Technology Fund, leaders in the quest for digital equity. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Fresno State Associated Students, Inc., students serving students. BNSF Railway, moving our economy for 160 years. And the wonderful company. The Maddie Report is also made possible thanks to contributions from Harris Ranch Inn and Restaurant and E&J Gallo Winery. From the Maddie Institute, the Public Policy Institute for the Valley's four public universities, this is the Maddie Report with Executive Director of the Maddie Institute, Mark Kepler. Welcome. The importance of STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, and math, is only growing. Indeed, employment in STEM occupations is projected to grow 8.8% by 2028. Our guest is Nugao. Gao. She's a senior fellow at the Nonpartisan Public Policy Institute of California, specializing in K-12 education, with an emphasis in math and science education. And uh, Ms. Gao has, has written something that's kind of interesting. She says that STEM education is crucial in preparing our future workforce and paving the way for well-paying employment. But I found particularly interesting what you wrote was a robust and equitable science education is essential to a fully functioning democracy. So welcome to the Maddie Report. Thank you for having me. So why do you say that? Why do you say that you know science education, science literacy is essential to a fully functioning democracy? Mm -hmm. So in July 2021, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine released a report calling to action for science education. In that report, it emphasized that scientific thinking and also understanding are essentially for all people navigating the world, not just for scientists and STEM professionals. Science is the essential tool for solving the greatest problem of our time and also understanding the world around us because it teaches us how to make decisions based on evidence. And many of the most pressing social and also political issues nowadays involve science. During COVID-19, we've seen how science was used to guide when and how to reopen restaurants, schools, and also local business. Science also guides our decisions about how to maintain air quality, how to conserve water during drought, and also what to do about all of those plastics waste. So in this yeah. way, science literacy is an essential component of a fully functional democracy. Yeah, you want to want policy based on facts, and you're going to get that if you know math and science, I suppose. But you've written this, which is a little troubling. You said, mm -hmm. quote, Science um, has long been a low priority for California K-12 schools, and COVID-19 has disrupted efforts to ensure that all students receive a quality science education. So how do the U.S. and California compare when it comes to science education? Uh, so generally speaking, the U.S. lags behind other developed countries in science education, and California actually ranks near the bottom of states on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP. It is also known as the nation's report card. 
So for instance, based on the 2015 NAEP, the average science test scores in California were well below the national average. And only 25% of fourth and eighth graders in California were proficient in science. And the number hasn't really changed much for years. And we also know that California has the largest science achievement gaps by race, ethnicity, and also by family income. So for instance, there is a 36 points difference between black and white students. And there's also a similar gap between low-income students and also affluent students. Yeah, and we have a very diverse population, so it just and, and it just exacerbates that problem. Um, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. You reported in 2013 that the State Board of Education laid the groundwork to transform science education mm -hmm. by adopting something called the California Next Generation Science Standards. Um, then COVID hit. So what are the implications? Uh, so before spring of 2020, school districts were in the early stages of implementing California NGSS. And we recently released a report, which I'm part of the team. In the report, we show that COVID-19 has derailed science education. So before spring 2020, more than 90% of the districts were implementing CA NGSS. And this was actually a remarkable improvement from a few years ago. But we also know that implementation was uneven by grade levels. So for instance, school districts were more likely to be implementing the new standards in KA schools than in high schools. We also saw some geographic variation where rural schools are actually lacking behind. And uh, during COVID-19, what we've seen is science education became a lower priority for the majority of school districts. And districts delayed some of the key implementation activities such as aligning instructional materials and also aligning course models with the standards. Um, there are uh, there were a few uh, several factors that could explain this. This includes, you know, emphasize on math, excuse me, English language arts, which this actually goes beyond the pandemic. There is also staff shortages, teacher burnout, and also a lack of dedicated funding for science education. We also saw that, you know, science education, excuse me, districts did, uh, provided limited support for science education. During 2021, uh, during 2020 to 21 school year, only 25% of the districts provided small group instruction. And very few of them offered extended science learning time during the regular school year. And only 40% of the districts provided additional support to English learners. Um, really, it seems probably problematic. School districts aren't prioritizing science education. Why do you think, why is that a problem? Um, so earlier we talked about the importance of science literacy to a fully functioning democracy, to the future of STEM workforce, and also to the pursuit of living wage jobs. So this lack of prioritization means that students will likely um, not have access to equitable, high quality science education, and they will also miss out on opportunities to recover from the pandemic and also to equip them with the knowledge and skills to meet the needs of tomorrow's economy. You know, so let me ask you, well, let me, you know, in the next segment, I want to ask you, what about mm -hmm. raising high school graduation requirements in math and science? Is that possibly an answer? We'll have that conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. Are California's math and science requirements for high school uh, too high, too low, or just right? Our guest is New Gao. She's a senior fellow with the Public Policy Institute of California, a public policy think tank. She specializes in K-12 math and science education, and she recently authored a report on that issue. You know, your report included some pretty startling statistics. One I found startling was the fact that only 63% of California students enroll in college after graduating from high school. 
And those rates are even lower when you take a look at ethnic and racial groups and those folks from socioeconomically disadvantaged backgrounds. Uh, it makes you wonder if the state's high school uh, graduation standards might be leaving students unprepared for college. How do California standards compare nationally? In California, the state minimum graduation requirements is two years of math and two years of science. This is among the lowest in the U.S. And in California, the state hasn't really changed the minimum math or science requirements since, two, uh, since the two, early 2000s. But at the same time, a lot of states did. And before COVID-19, the vast majority of other states actually require three or four years of math and science. The state set up the minimum requirements and local districts can impose additional local requirements. And in the last past two decades, many school districts across the state have increased high, high school graduation requirements, particularly in math and science, in order to improve student outcomes and close the equity gaps. So um, I'm just wondering how many, what exactly how many school districts actually did that raise those standards? And the other question I had was when I was reading your report, you, something, you talk about something called the AG requirement. I'm wondering how that influences the standards. So most districts have higher standards than the state's minimum. In 2018, uh, 19 school year, we found that 59% of districts serving nearly 70% of the students, uh, student population required three or four years of math. And 22% of districts required three to four years of science. And we also, we also saw that a growing number of districts have aligned or consider aligning their graduation policies with the A2G requirements. So the A2G requirements are a set of courses that students must take in order to be eligible for UC and CSU. We also saw that many districts adopted A2G curriculum. So for instance, they require that all of their courses in the core subject areas be A2G approved. And before the COVID-19, we also saw that UC and CSU were considering increasing the admission requirements uh, in math and science. Yeah, that will certainly drive things. I found it interesting in your report though, when you're looking at school districts that are raising the standards, a, a substantial number increased the math standards, but not so many increased the science standards. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. You'd think they'd both go kind of go parallel. That really wasn't the case. Now I'm wondering, so you have COVID-19. Um, that's obviously affected graduation requirements in California, um, particularly in light of the fact that a lot of these school districts raised their uh, standards prior to the pandemic. And what are the implications of all of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the pandemic has disrupted public education as we know it. So it had a significant impact on the graduating class of 2020. So for instance, you know, in the spring of 2020, when virtually all of the public schools closed and moved to distance learning overnight, we saw that many students, particularly students from marginalized groups, did not have adequate access to internet or computer devices at home. And many teachers did not have adequate training to deliver instruction in a remote setting. And they also were not able to cover as much material as in a typical classroom. And students also lacked, uh, also lost access to course counseling and other academic support services. And also not all parents were able to help children learn or provide a very adequate learning environment. And we also see, we also saw that food, housing, economic insecurity going up, disproportionately affecting low-income families and also students of color. Because of all of those pandemic disruptions, so many students were not able to meet the course or GPA requirements for high school graduation. So as a policy 
response. In spring 2020, the state waived the minimum graduation requirements, and many school districts across the state passed emergency waivers exempting high school seniors from local graduation requirements. And uh, some districts were also considering extending the waivers for the future classes. Yeah, it's interesting because these the, the kind of the marginal students seem to have really suffered as a result of, of COVID-19. And also, when we talk about some of these disadvantaged communities, a lot of these and rural communities, a lot of these are the same communities that don't have Internet access, which, as mm -hmm. we know, was absolutely critical during during the pandemic because that's how school was being taught. So mm -hmm. uh, COVID had a big impact on, on some of those folks. You know, we're wondering, would setting higher standards actually result in better student performance? We're going to talk about that in a moment. This is Mark Kepler with the Maddie Report. I think we hit that. I wanted to get that just about. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. We're talking with Nu Gao. She's an expert in K-12 math and science education at the Public Policy Institute of California. Non, it's a nonpartisan public policy think tank. So what about setting higher graduation requirements? Um, is that going to improve performance? So what does your research show? Does it show any correlation between you know, more rigorous math and science requirements and academic outcomes? So in the research literature, we have plenty of evidence showing that students who take more rigorous math or science courses in high school, they're more likely to graduate from high school. They're more likely to attend a four-year college. They're also more likely to earn more college credits, have higher college GPAs, and are more likely to earn bachelor's degree. So however, findings are more mixed on the impact of graduation policies per se, of course, taking high school graduation and college outcomes, particularly among students with greater needs. So one possible explanation is that many schools do not strictly enforce their graduation policies. So evidence from other states show that some students have been able to uh, graduate even if they did not earn enough credits. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. I want to get, let's see if we get more specific, kind of bifurcate, split up uh, math and science. Let's talk about math for a second. What relationship do you find between raising math requirements and student outcomes? So um, PPIC released a study that came out last year, and basically in that report, we found that rigorous math standards are associated with positive effects. So for instance, higher math standards are associated with a significant improvement in most student outcomes. Students are more likely to take advanced math courses, such as algebra two or higher. They're more likely to complete the A2G requirements, and they're also more likely to take the SAT. So in contrary to the concern that some students may not be able to graduate and therefore drop it out of high school, we actually did not find any evidence suggesting that higher math standards are associated with the change in dropout rates. Yeah, so what about uh, higher science standards? Is it any different when it comes to student outcomes? Mm -hmm. So the evidence is a little bit more mixed when it comes to higher science standards. So we do see that dropout rates went down among districts with higher science standards. So this suggests a positive change in student engagement. But there doesn't seem to be any significance in, in other student outcomes, such as enrollment in advanced science courses or the student performance on the California science tests, even though the association with other academic outcomes was uh, largely negative, we do see some positive effects, you know, for instance, at high poverty schools where they saw their graduation rates and also advanced course enrollment went up. 
So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why is there a difference between higher math requirements um, that show significant improvement in student outcomes, but higher science requirements really don't? Why are the results mixed? Mm -hmm. It is a puzzle. Uh, we do see that higher science requirements improve student attendance and reduce dropout. It has negative associations with other outcomes. So one possible explanation is that science is not a priority in most schools. It has taken a backseat to math and English language arts, and as a result, most districts do not invest enough resources or provide adequate ad academic support to make sure that students in those rigorous courses are actually succeeding. So we know that raising academic rigor is one part of the equation, but the other part is to provide a comprehensive support system so students can succeed. Yeah, I'm just wondering, though, what, what are the unintended consequences of all of this? I mean, if you raise standards, are, is it more likely that, that folks are going to drop out? I mean, you're trying to improve student outcomes, but it, could there be a negative effect with this, with raising standards? From the evidence from other states, there were several unintended consequences of raising high school graduation requirements. One concern is the graduation rates may decline for low-income students, Latinos, Black students, and also students with disabilities. And the second concern is that in California, we actually saw that high-need districts tend to have higher standards. So this raises some concern about the equity implications. However, in our report, we do not see any evidence of this. So in other words, higher standards do not prevent students in California from graduating or increase their likelihood of dropping out. Well, that's good news for those of us that want to see higher standards, I guess. <laughs> well, up next, so what are, the, what are the recommendations for school districts? What, are they, what should they do when it comes to math and science requirements? That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. We're talking with New Gao. She's a senior fellow with the Nonpartisan Public Policy Institute of California. She specializes in K-12 education, math and science in particular. And we're talking about whether raising academic standards in math and science are a good or, or bad idea. If it's, an, if it's a good idea, what should we do uh, to improve student outcomes across the board? Uh, so let me ask you this. Um, bottom line, what do your findings suggest about raising academic standards? So there are three key takeaways. So the first is rigorous math and science courses have been shown to improve student outcomes in high school, in college, and also in the labor market. The second takeaway is raising academic expectations in high need, high poverty, high black Latino schools actually benefits students attending those schools. The last takeaway is rural schools and also lowest performing schools, they're less likely to benefit from raising academic expectations. This suggests that we need to establish a more comprehensive support system and also to provide technical assistance to those schools. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it matters. You talk about socioeconomically disadvantaged districts or not. Does it matter between those districts? And what about rural and urban? Does, does that matter? Mm -hmm. So in our work, we do not find any negative relationship between higher math or science requirements and graduation rates, regardless of school type. When we look at the likelihood of students taking advanced math courses, the positive effect is actually much larger among high need, high poverty, and also urban schools. When we look at the share of students- Does that imply, does that, imply that we're closing the, the achievement gap then? In those uh, yes. So okay. those, are, those are actually moving, uh, moving towards more equitable student outcomes. A good thing. 
Yes, that's a good thing. And when we look at the share of students taking the SAT, again, the gain is also larger and high need, high poverty and high black Latino schools, suggesting some improvement along the equity measures. And we also see that higher science requirements reduce dropout rate. And again, the association is much stronger among high need, high poverty, high black Latino, the lowest performing schools and also urban schools. You know, so, it's somewhat, it's somewhat though, when you say that it's somewhat counterintuitive and I was reading your report, but then when you raise standards that you have fewer dropout, have a lower dropout rate, it's, it seems like it gets tougher. Maybe students would drop out, but that's not what you're finding. Mm -hmm. Yes. So taken together, you know, the those findings from our report actually suggest that raising academic ex expectations, especially in those high need, high poverty and high black Latino schools benefit those students attending those schools, while students in rural and also the lowest performing schools, they're less likely to benefit. And uh, this is, you know, there are a couple of factors that could explain the difference. So the first one is, you know, the rural schools and also the lowest performing schools, they, they tend to have a lot more acute teacher shortage and shortage and turnover issues. So which may affect the quantity and also quality of those math and science courses. Yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to, because I saw that in your report too, and I thought that was also very important, that these poorer school districts might be able to get more teachers, but typically they're younger, they're less experienced yes. uh, teachers, right? Um, they're probably paying them a little less than, mm -hmm. the, than the more than the richer districts. And that also that has impact on mm -hmm. how students students do their outcomes in mm -hmm. math and science. Mm -hmm. Yes. So actually, you know, we have a lot of evidence showing that, you know, it has been really challenging trying to turn around those persistently low performing schools and moving forward. If we really want to help those low income schools and also low performing schools, we actually need a more systematic and also more significant transformation to help those schools succeed. Yeah. So what are the recommendations you have for for state and local policymakers when it comes to uh, ensuring high school graduation policies have an equitable impact in terms of college readiness and, and workforce readiness. Mm -hmm. So the state could consider raising the minimum math requirements, just given all the positive effects we've seen for students attending schools or districts that have those higher requirements. And uh, so the only uh, uh, the only downside is it comes with the cost because uh, it will be a statewide mandate and that will require additional dollars. But since, you know, in our report, since most of the students, you know, nearly 70% of the students are already in schools that require three to four years math, we think, you know, this actually could reduce the cost. And there's also evidence that, you know, higher math requirements, we talked about this, led to more equitable improvement in student outcomes. So the cost can be thought of as a long-term investment in California's future. And in order to um, address some of the unintended consequences we've talked about, you know, the state could monitor the implementation so the additional math coursework does not take away resources. Yeah, but the one thing we mentioned in your report, we talked about this um, off camera, and that is you didn't say increased science requirements, which I thought was kind of interesting, just math requirements. And mm -hmm. that the reason for that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in science, we, uh, we're we seeing more of a mixed evidence. So we think, you know, we need more robust data and also need more comprehensive data before we can make, you know, any policy recommendations. We've only got about 30 seconds left in the segment. I want to be sure you get into your other, your other points. You want to say something about, uh, I was reading your report about COVID and about data collection. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So more granular data, such as individual uh, student level longitudinal data that states working to build, could really help you know help us you know guiding uh, guiding the research and also policy effort. And in terms of COVID, we just have some you know some um, some data from NAEP showing how much damage COVID nineteen has done to students. So how to help those students recover will be the number one priority moving forward. Well, I want to thank New Gao from the, with the Public Policy Institute of California for joining us, and thank you for joining us. This is Mark Kepler with the Maddie Report. The Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ. So what do school superintendents in the Valley think about raising high school graduation requirements as a strategy to improve student outcomes? We'll talk to five Valley school superintendents from Modesto to Bakersfield when we return. That conversation in a moment. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. We wanted to get a valid view of the issue of raising high school graduation requirements as a way to improve student performance by putting that question to Valley school superintendents from the north to the south in the Valley. So first up is Dr. Sarah Noguchi. She's the school superintendent of the Modesto City School District. Welcome to the Matterport Valley Views Edition. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. So I want to ask you, so before we get into, you know, raising standards and I was wondering what specific programs you have developed to increase STEM education uh, in your school district. Wonderful. Well, here in Modesto City Schools, we're actually two districts. So I'll, I'll refer to some questions relative to the elementary district and the high school district. For our elementary district, we recognize the skills needed in science, technology, engineering, and math are skills that all of our kids are going to need, no matter what their job is in the future. For our TK6 students, all of our students have received an hour's worth of computer science each and every week, which is wonderful. At our high school level, we have increased courses in cybersecurity, computer programming, digital arts, and also aligning this to our CTE sectors and industry needs. We've also done something really exciting this year, and we're starting a new eSports League for our 7th and 12th graders, and also um, our elementary students um, after January. So we're hoping that that will engage our students and, and get them to school. You know, I, th- I think that will. That's really, really interesting approach. And I also find it really interesting you're, you're allocating an hour's worth of time, because I know time is kind of is sacrosanct in education. There's only so many hours in a day you can teach. An hour toward computer science, that really says something. Um, I want to ask you, you know, we've been talking about, you know, raising math and science requirements for high school graduation. What do you think about that? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? You know, I can say that we currently have a a graduation committee that is made up of um, some administrators, some parents, some students, some teachers, really looking at our graduation requirements and and looking to see if it really reflects where we need to be. Um, I can say that we currently have um, three years of math, including passing algebra. Um, this is one more year than the state average, and it aligns to A through G. I don't anticipate that that um, committee is going to uh, be recommending to myself and to the board that that's going to change. So I think that there is an importance of ensuring that all of our kids are aligned to A through G. Yeah, you're seeing a, a lot of school districts going in that direction, uh, for sure. You know, um, I'm wondering what the trend is uh, in, in your school districts when it comes to, uh, you know, test scores and outcomes, particularly in the math and science area. Are you seeing a trend up, a trend down? Is it staying the same? What's happening? Well, you know, it's really, we're, we're coming out of a, a pandemic, so we're going to see things all over the place. Um, what I can say is there are definitely some glimmers of hope in our elementary school district, our state testing. Um, we did state testing in the pandemic and um, this last year, um, and we had raised our scores 4.4% uh, for meets and exceeds. 
um, compared one year to the next. Our scores certainly aren't where they want to be, but we can show growth, and I'm excited about that. In the area of 7 to 12, not, not as exciting. Um, our state test scores did not raise. However, there's a little um, hopeful. Um, our pass rate for our AP calculus was up 18.6%, um, and our pass rate for AP statistics was up 16%. Additionally, we had 470 kids more take the AP test. So not only were we up in having the test taken, but we also were up in um, the percentage that passed. Uh, so how, how many, just to put it in perspective, how many out of how many students in your school district? So we have 15,000 high school students and 15,000 mm -hmm. elementary students. I, okay. do, I don't have the number of exactly how many kids took the AP exams. I just know that it was up 471. That, that's, that's, pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big number. Yeah, that's actually a pretty big number. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I wonder what recommend, recommendations you might have to improve math and science capabilities for students. I mean, is it better, better or higher paid teachers? Is it, you know, capital improvements? I mean, what, what do you think we should do to improve math and science scores? You know, I really think it comes down to it, first instruction the first time. We call it tier one instruction. So do, ensuring that we are doing the best that we can in our in our first attempt at teaching math. So that's investing in professional development for our math teachers and ensuring they have the supports um, and what they need. Additionally, it's ensuring that we've engaged our kids. Are we getting them to school? Are we providing them opportunities for them to be excited about school because they need to be in the classroom? And then I also think it's really looking back at the math framework from the state of California. They've outlined eight mathematical practices. And if we really engage in those mathematical practices, in the classroom, supporting our teachers and learning how that applies, I th think that that can go a long way. Yeah, all, all, all very good suggestions. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Sarah Noguchi, the school superintendent with the Modesto Hill City School District. Up next, we're going to travel down the 99 and talk with the superintendent of the Fresno Unified School District, Robert Nelson. That conversation in a moment. Our next guest is Fresno Unified School District Superintendent Bob Nelson. Thanks for being here. It's an honor, Mark. Glad to be with you. Hey, you know, we're, we were talking about high school graduation, graduation rates in math and science and whether that could improve student outcomes by raising those rates. What specific programs, by the way, do you have uh, to increase STEM education in your district? Yeah, we do a lot, actually, and we start them as early as we possibly can, beginning with kindergarten through second grade students that are doing like a Bricks for Kids activity. So they're doing Lego-based community development, figuring out what kind of jobs people do. They we utilize the full skills of that. We actually have a great relationship with Fresno State for our upper grade elementary students um, with the Lyle Center where they do think challenges, where they're doing, um, they have a big culminating activity right there on the floor of the Save Mart Center where our fifth and sixth graders are competing in science, technology, engineering, and math content. Um, you probably know we have a really robust seventh and eighth grade uh, tournament of technology where our kids compete across a range of technology events, coding and the like. And then obviously like one of the things that we pride ourselves on is for ninth to 12th graders, like pathway programs that are like all our families care about in the Valley is, are you giving real life content and kids opportunity to do really robust bodies of work that they can actually, you know, earn, you know, feed their families on. And so tons of engineering STEM, mathematics. The hard part is we're not sending a lot of people to learn to teach math. That does not help us a lot. There's a lot to, uh, you know, finding math and science. Science, uh, particularly physical science, chemistry and physics and the like is hard to come by and math teachers are, you know, worth their weight in gold. Yeah, I can imagine. Let me ask you though, when talking about this, you know, raising math and science requirements for high school graduation, I'm just wondering what you think. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? 
the difficulty becomes exactly what I was just talking about. You could raise those. Now we offer, we require three years of math and three years of science. So for Fresno Unified, that actually exceeds the state's minimum graduation requirements. Um, but that being said, we hire, we try to hire every single math pre-service uh, person that comes out of Fresno State. Can we just agree? Like we're a third of the Fresno State's freshman enrollment and 80% of the teachers that come out of there come and work for us. So the relationship is as tight as it possibly could be. We literally hire every single math teacher that are available to us or try to annually. And it's still hard, uh, still a hard to fill area for us. So you could raise the requirements and we can increase the numbers of, but the infrastructure is not such that I think we'd be successful. You wouldn't have enough credentialed math people teaching higher end math content if our intent was to double down and, and create more uh, sections of mathematics. I, I, I sure hope that the university students are listening to this program because if, I, if they are, there a lot of them are going to transfer into uh, Yeah, quite honestly, to your point, Mark, if you never want to be without a paycheck a day in your life, teach math teach uh, the physical sciences or teach special education. And literally you can work anywhere across the great state of California. You'll be employable for the remainder of your natural life. And uh, it's just something desperate that all of our schools across the Valley desperately need. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's really good advice. Um, let me ask you this. Um, how is your district doing over the last decade? And uh, when it comes to the student outcomes, are they, you know, I think, yeah, Fresno Unified is a tale of two stories, and you have to tell them both in order to not pitch a hustle. So Fresno Unified in pre-pandemic was actually growing at a rate faster, both in language arts and math, than anybody was statewide. So we were, you know, closing like systemic equity gaps in terms of how we do. That being said, only one of three kids in Fresno is on grade level in language arts and only one in five in math which people should be horrified by. And it keeps me awake nights, right? And either of those stories, if you tell them without the other one, you're pitching a hustle. You can't just say, oh my God, it's horrible. Fresno kids really are doing awfully without saying, no, they're actually gaining at a rate that's faster than the state average. But you can't say, oh my God, Fresno Unifieds are making so much great gains if you don't talk about where they started from, which is behind the eight ball to begin with, right? Yeah. Uh, the pandemic has universally been bad, right? All of the trajectory and the the path that we were taking and the trajectory that we're on all came to a crashing heart halt when we closed schools for a, a year and a half span and uh, went to distance learning. Anybody who tells you that that was the equivalent of what we were doing, um, they're pitching you. That That is a hustle they're trying to pitch. Like uh, got, Bad for educators. We've only got about 30 seconds left in the segment. I wanted to get this last question in there. I want to ask you what any what recommendations you might have to improve math and science. And do we need to pay teachers more? Do we need to spend more money on buildings? What do we need to do? You know, I do think actually incentivizing folks to pursue a math credential or a higher education science credential, potentially like physics, for example. And um, we do that with some of those high, hard to fill uh, positions that we've had. Uh, I think incentivizing that signing bonuses matter a lot. Same thing is true with nursing. I do think that's the single biggest driver to get young people to think, okay, if I do this a lucrative career path and it's something I can do for the rest of my life. I, I like that. A good practical recommendation from Fresno Unified School District Superintendent Bob Nelson. Thanks for joining us. Up next, been a pleasure. Up next, we're going to travel east of Fresno and talk to Clovis Unified School Superintendent Amir O'Brien. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. This is Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. Up next is Clovis Unified School District Superintendent, Amir O'Brien. And full disclosure to our audience and my guest, my daughter actually is a student at Buchanan High School in the Clovis Unified School District and is very interested in engineering. So I may even get her to listen to this program, um, which would be a, a real treat for both of us, I suppose. Well, welcome to the Maddie Report. Well, good, good, hello. Thank you for having me on. Sure. So, you know, we've been talking about raising uh, high school math and science requirements and whether it's a, it's a good or a bad idea. 
Um, you know, like I said, I have some uh, personal knowledge of your robotics program, but what specific programs have you developed at Clovis Unified to increase STEM education? Well, first of all, I think your daughter is very blessed to be in that program over at Buchanan High School. It's a great, great program, and it's known both on the national stage and the international stage. And it's just one of the many programs that we have, as we are pretty well known for having a host of co-curricular programs that we run simultaneously to our math and science programs in our schools. And at the secondary level, you know, I will just tell you, math has always been a very strong suit for Clovis Unified. And as well as having, you know, math team and science Olympiad and, and things like that, in the last 10 to 15 years, we've really developed a number of pathways around STEM in Clovis Unified. So we have 21 career technical education pathways, and many of them are in the science and technology and engineering and math area. For example, uh, your daughter who's taking robotics at, uh, at one of our high schools, we have our product innovation and design program. It's a lab that just opened and it's centered around robotics. It's sent, uh, we have it located at Clovis North High School, but any of our students can attend it. At our Center for Advanced Research and Technology, CART, we have biotechnology labs, we have engineering, manufacturing, robotics labs, forensic research, that kind of thing. And so over the years, we have really leaned into expanding our CTE programs while simultaneously uh, offering uh, advanced math and science courses so that our kids have the opportunity to get into the highest uh, educational institutions in America. You know, we've been talking to the other superintendents in the Valley about, you know, is it a good idea to raise math and science requirements? I'm thinking you're probably going to say it's a good idea, but I'm wondering uh, what impact has that had on improving student outcomes. Uh, do you see an improvement in terms of graduation rates or college readiness, things of that nature? So um, what I'll always say is you have to look at uh, secondary education in, in particular high school. You have to look at it in a very balanced and overall way. So the requirement in California is that students would take two years of math. I will tell you here that the vast majority of Clovis Unified high school students take three years of math and many of our more advanced students actually take four years of math. But don't forget that every time you increase something, you put, add in another requirement, something else has to come out. There are only so many periods in the day, there are only so many years in high school. And so it's a little like Jenga. Every time you put something in, something else has to come out. And as you know, we're going to be required here in California to uh, provide ethnic studies for our students here in the next few years. So right now, Clovis Unified actually has a graduation requirements committee working on that. And so we're very mindful of the fact that when you make something a requirement, you are uh, taking away another opportunity. So for men, like I said, the vast majority of our students already take the three years of math. Uh, for those who take two years of math, many times the other programs, the electives, the AVID and career technical education pathways are what they need to really get them on their path. Well, let, me ask, let me ask you a question, which, you, you, which I wasn't going to ask you, but you, since you brought it up, I'm going I'm to bring it up. And that is, what do you think about increasing the school day? Well, that's a, that's a huge topic. But what I will tell you is, Many schools, and our schools included, offer before and after school periods as needed. We have lunchtime periods. But uh, what I'll say is 
we try to keep some balance in our students' lives. And for them to be involved in sports or uh, visual performing arts, there's only so many hours in the day. And we also want them to have time to study and and be able to devote their time to their studies. So <laughs> actually, I'd be reserved about that. Yeah, to actually live their lives, yeah, I, I suppose. But it's just an interesting thing that you brought up. Um, I want to thank Clovis Unified School Superintendent Emir O'Brien for joining us. Um, up next, we'll continue traveling down the 99 and speak to Visalia Unified School District Superintendent Kirk Schrum. That conversation in a moment. Our next guest is Visalia Unified School District Superintendent Kirk Schrum. Welcome to the Maddie Report. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Appreciate the invitation. So listen, uh, we've been hearing from other school superintendents throughout the Valley about raising high school math and science graduation requirements. But before I ask you whether or not that's a good idea, I was wondering what specific programs has Visalia Unified School District done to develop or increase STEM education in, in, in the district? Right. So a few that I would mention, one is through our academies and our pathways. So of course, pathways, uh, you know, your, your CTAE sorts of uh, activities expose students to those types of careers, but more specifically, what we've done in Visalia is create academies. So at a couple of our high schools, we have academies, uh, which are basically a four-way pathway. So a student enters almost, almost like declaring a major, uh, I'm interested in pursuing this. And throughout the four years, they take classes geared toward that specific focus. And so for a couple of our academies, we have one at one school, which is focused on architecture, construction, engineering. And so students go through that, they take classes that are aligned with that. Uh, and depending on different pathways, some you might come out with industry certification, some you might come out with dual enrollment, uh, those sorts of things. We also have an Academy of Computer Science at one of our high schools. And of course that's geared toward computer science and programming and all of those things. So again, kids can enter these programs and choose to come out you know, and, and enter industry type work or choose to come out and take that experience and, and take it to a two-year, four-year, or beyond institution. They're very popular academies. Uh, and another unique thing in Visalia is uh, you don't have to be zoned, say, to that specific high school. So the academies allow you to have some flexibility. So maybe, uh, you know, my high school may not have that offering, but that's what I'm interested in. Choose another so, campus. Right, mm -hmm. right. So yeah. they have the opportunity to attend. And then the other thing we do in our middle schools is, is we have a class geared toward exposing students to STEM technology type careers. So as you can imagine with middle school, right, a lot of ex exploration, showing them different things that are out there. So we hope to get their interest early and then they might have interest in pursuing one of those academies. Well, let me ask you this. We're talking about raising uh, graduation requirements. Is that a good idea? So I, I wholeheartedly believe in raising graduation requirements, and I'll tell you why. Um, because if you don't have a goal or something to aim for, then you're not going to change current status. So it was interesting to me uh, coming to California from another state in the yes, state. I think you're a little bit of an accent there. Right? Yes, yes. So coming, coming from Tennessee and Georgia, more specifically Georgia, Georgia requires four years of math. Oh, really? And so coming to California and seeing the two-year requirement, and I'm immediately, I immediately hear things like, well, you know, um, the, the education level in the Valley and, and certain things like that. And, and I'm thinking, well, it doesn't have to be that way, um, you know, to get well, in into some ways, it. You know, in some ways, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It, um, it, it, 
very well, much when is. I first joined, when I first joined the faculty, you know, I, I remember talking to a faculty member about a, a book we were using, and I thought, guys, it's not right the level that I recall for a junior in college. And the professor told me, oh, you know, our students can handle anything, so we give them this. And the book rep said, no, this was a book used for community colleges. Yeah. I told my class, a guy ditched that book immediately. Um, mm -hmm. And said, no, you're, you're doing a college-level textbook. Right. And, so. you know, to get into a University of California, you know, or Cal State sort of school, you have to be A through G qualified. Well, A through G requires a third year of math. So essentially, by not requiring that third year, what we are saying is we believe that that's possible for some but not for all. And so I'm very proud of the fact that two board meetings ago, uh, our board approved a third year of math and to begin with next year's entering freshman class. And so now we begin to build a pathway. And by the way, a third year of math doesn't have to be trigonometry or something that, that's way advanced, right? We offer a personal finance class that's very popular. Well, that would be probably very practical. And, and by the way, it also meets A through G requirements. So a student can come and take math one and two and then personal finance, for example, or sports statistics. Yeah, then sports statistics, personal finance, you talk to the students, say, listen, if you want to buy a car, you know, and they'll get their attention, right? Oh, this is the way to do it. Real quickly, got about 15 seconds. Where should the money be spent? Are we talk, should we spend it on uh, higher salaries, better buildings? Real quickly, what are your thoughts on that? So I'm going to answer that by saying everything. So okay. you, can have, you, you can have a great building and bad teaching. You can have a bad building with great teaching. So I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both answer. That, 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 that's a fair answer. Uh, up next, we're going to travel further down the 99 and talk to folks in Bakersfield and what they're doing. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. I think our guests would agree that you always save the best for last. Uh, we finish up our discussion with school superintendents throughout the Valley, speaking with Mark Lukey, who's the Bakersfield City School District Superintendent. Welcome to the Matty Report. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So um, I'm wondering what specific programs have you developed in your district to increase STEM education? So our district is proud to celebrate our academy launch. So all of our school sites offer a STEAM academy. Uh, as part of their after-school program. By the way, you just said STEAM, and so we added an A there, and A is, I think, for arts, correct? Correct, correct. Okay. So I'll talk a little about that. Um, so several years ago, before the pandemic, we engaged with our school communities to identify a focus that they would like to integrate into their after-school program, as well as begin to build into the regular day program. So science, technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics. Uh, so before the pandemic uh, hit all of us, our schools began to work to leverage in specific concepts and programs uh, to their focus area into the after-school program uh, with a handful of our school sites being able to build upon that work and add it to the regular day. So it's not uncommon in our district to see schools offer science labs within the regular day program and after-school program. We have a great partnership here locally with one of our agencies that offers Farm to Table with the school garden, uh, as well as a myriad of robotics and coding, engineering programs, yeah, not, all, to mention, not to yeah, mention all the program, which is phenomenal. Yeah, all, the, all the important stuff. You know, we were talking to the superintendents and others about um, policy expert about raising math and science standards. And I'm just wondering, what is your uh, thought on that? Is are raising math and science requirements for high school graduation a good idea or a bad idea? I think it's a necessary idea. I think the jobs of today and tomorrow require our students to be much more proficient in math and science than perhaps a generation ago. Math and science have always been important, 
but the jobs of the future really require our kids to have a much deeper skill set in those two areas than perhaps um, students who I grew up with. Yeah, that, that, that's certainly true. It just seems to be more and more important. So I'm wondering if your district has seen uh, an improvement in student outcomes over the last decade, particularly in the area of math and science. Are they improving or not? So our district was seeing moderate improvement in mathematics prior to the pandemic. Um, but as the state is releasing its current year data from last spring, we saw a significant decline in math outcomes um, greater than our English language arts outcomes. So there's a lot of, lot of work to do, a lot of work ahead of us as we refocus our attention to build up on uh, students' math capacities. But you're, you're in good company there. A lot of districts have experienced exactly what, what you guys are experiencing. Um, COVID had a big impact uh, on a lot, of, a lot of districts in trying to, they were making some improvement in math and science scores and COVID hit and they've kind of regressed a little bit. Again, this is not exclusive to one district. This is pretty common among a lot of districts. We only got a minute or so left, but I wanted to ask you about, if you have any specific recommendations on what else needs to be done to improve math and science capabilities for our students? I think it starts with teacher education programs and really cementing teacher capacity within mathematics skills. As the mathematics frameworks continue to evolve and the state is approaching another adoption of a new framework, it's really important that teacher education programs focus the development of their math credential programs around th those frameworks. Equally to science, we need to create space within our teacher ed programs and our induction programs at school districts to uh, build science capacities uh, for our elementary teachers who uh, are required to teach a full menu of curriculum, including math and science. Yeah, so I, you're talking about uh, teacher training programs. You're talking about like schools of education at universities. They should be focusing on this. Correct. And we have a teacher residency program within our district that's about seven years strong. And so it's an area of emphasis for our program as well as teachers are learning how to become teachers uh, before they go into their induction program. Yeah. Um, and then they get the whole issue of teacher pay. And I'm sure with math and science, that becomes even a bigger issue uh, in terms of attracting and retaining those folks. Um, I want to thank our guest, Mark uh, Lukey with the Bakersfield City School District. He's the superintendent over there. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate your time. All right. And if you want to stay up to date with state and local politics, you can sign up for our e-newsletter, The Maddie Daily, by logging on to our website at maddieinstitute.com. This is Mark Kepler for The Maddie Institute. Thanks for joining us. The Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ. The Maddie Institute is your public affairs institute. We're an alliance of the Valley's four public universities, Fresno State, California State University Bakersfield, Stanislaus State, and UC Merced, that have joined forces to better serve the residents of the San Joaquin Valley. Our goal is to support a fact-based, bipartisan, problem-solving approach to the public policy challenges we face as a region, state, and nation. You can learn more about the activities of the Maddie Institute by logging on to our website at maddieinstitute.com.